Welcome back to another episode of Product Love, hosted by Eric Bodick, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of Pendo, a product experience platform. Every day we use different kinds of products to help us go about our lives. Behind each product is a product manager who has carefully built something they hope their users love. This is Product Love, the podcast where we interview product managers and explore the craft of product management. Well, welcome over to Product Today. I am here with Carlos, the CEO of Product School. So, Carlos, let's kick this off by you giving us a little bit of uh, your background. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I started my career as a software engineer, and uh, one of those weird engineers who didn't want to spend the rest of his life coding. Back in the day, it wasn't really that clear what my options were. Because when you get into engineering school, computer science, Someone told me, well, you have to start as a software engineer, senior engineer, principal engineer, but what if you just want to do something else, but still leverage the, the technical aspects to it. So anyway, after that experience, I decided to go to business school. I'm from Spain. I moved from Europe to Silicon Valley, went to Berkeley, and I had a very interesting breakthrough when I came here. One is, first of all, I'm not that unique. There are a lot of software engineers or people with technical backgrounds that are thinking business, which was very refreshing. And the second thing I realized that there were many people coming from a business background, kind of software engineer, sorry, management consulting or finance or any other marketing that wanted to work in tech, but they felt very intimidated by not having enough technical jobs. So after those two experiences, both in engineering school and in business school, I realized that there was nothing in between that could really merge both and get the best out of both worlds. And I think that's what inspired me to start a product school. So tell me about that creation product for Product School. Yeah, so it was six years ago, Bootstrap, just this idea, a solution to my own problem. I wish I had something like this when, when I was uh, starting my career. And I created the first curriculum, decided to start with a small cohort of um, students in San Francisco, and then took from there. Six years forward, now we are in 20 locations worldwide where we deliver product management training, always on weeknights or weekends, because this way, all these students and instructors can keep their full-time jobs. And I think that's the secret sauce. Uh, this is something that you can do. You don't have to stop your life or put on hold your career. All of our instructors are product leaders that work at top companies such as Google, Facebook, Uber, and so on. And all these students that come to our campuses, they are all people who want to break into product management. So they already have some experience, maybe not in product, but in other fields of business, and they just need help with that final push. So talk to me about what's different about product school. Like there's different curriculums you could go through. A lot of them are kind of those, you know, like the pragmatic courses. And I've always thought there's a gap, right? As far as product training, we could always use more product training. What makes product school different? Exactly. So I I felt that pain when I was in an engineering school and also in a business school. None of those type of schools were really covering product. That's why I decided to create this type of hybrid school. First is I think the focus. Radical focus on product. I believe product is way more than a niche. Product is not just for even tech companies. Product goes way beyond tech because any company out there that is big enough requires some sort of software to have their employees collaborate, and that's a product. Plus, of course, most of these companies also have some sort of external products, such as websites or mobile apps to to display their their products or services. So radical focus on, on the topic of product management. And then the second thing is quality of instructors. I believe that best teachers are not uh, teachers, are actually practitioners, people who have experience on the ground. So we exclusively work with product leaders who keep their full-time jobs at top tech companies, such as Google, Facebook, Airbnb, and so on. So how has it been recruiting those people? Well, it's fascinating because I can't spend most of my time doing so. I think my previous companies, uh, when I was raising money and doing this whole venture venture capital thing, I was spending most of my time literally knocking at venture capitalist doors and uh, pitching PowerPoints. 
now that this company is bootstrap, I can maximize my time with customers, both students and instructors. So it started first with myself as the first instructor, then with my friends. Being in Silicon Valley, uh, most of your friends also working in top tech companies. And then from there, we created an entire recruiting team that is in charge of literally connect with these type of product leaders and, and explain the vision. Because in a way, these uh, leaders who decide to donate the time or give back to the community are not doing it for the money. They already have a good enough full-time job. So we're really competing with their family time, with time for other stuff that they like to do outside of work. And, and uh, what really resonates with them is is that they didn't have a product school when they were getting started. And this is an opportunity for them to help that next generation of product leaders. So it ends up a lot of like product leaders who have been successful giving back to the community. Exactly. Awesome, awesome. And I assume that, uh, I assume you're able to get access to people, product leaders throughout the world. Mm -hmm. So you're running, you said, in how many different countries are you running product schools? We are in three different countries, a total of 20 different campuses. So most of our campuses are in the U.S., cities such as San Francisco, New York, Los Angeles, Seattle. Uh, we're also in Toronto, Canada, and London in the U.K. Most of our instructors, so we have campuses, physical campuses in those cases. All the instructors work and live there. We also have an online campus, which is live. And instructors who teach on the online campus, they also, they can be anywhere in the world. I would say most of our instructors still come from the same locations where we have our physical locations, because that's the highest concentration for product management talent. Yeah, I would imagine that if you're gonna if you're gonna start a campus in an area, you have to go to an area that has a lot of product management leadership talent uh, in order to have a campus there, just by the nature of your model. Exactly. And then the online obviously could cover anything, right? You could get your your product leadership instructors, your your product leaders from you know anywhere because they're delivering their content online. Is all the online content delivered live? Yeah, and uh, the content, the, the format, and everything exactly like we do in person is just an additional opportunity for people who maybe don't live in the locations where we have a campus, but also we've seen that over 30% of the online students who attend our online training are actually based in locations where we have a campus. This is just more convenient for them. And the same thing for instructors. Uh, they sometimes choose to teach online over offline. My point is, it doesn't really matter. It's more about whatever works best for your schedule. What's really important is that you have a very strong mentor who's there with you, and it's not just a teacher. It's someone who's going to be along the way for whatever you need today, but especially as you grow in your career. So talk to me a little bit about the people who apply. What are they like? What are they looking to do? You know, is this, is this the right first step? Is it a post-college uh, you know, degree? You know, what do you typically see? Yes, well, it's definitely post-college degree. Most of our students have at least three to five years of professional experience, and we see two types of user personas. One is a software engineer or someone with a technical background who's thinking about moving more toward the business side of things, and maybe they are considering an MBA, or maybe they even did an MBA and realized that there was absolutely no training in product management in the two-year full-time program. And then the other type of user persona is um, I would say what we call a business person. It's either a management consultant, investment banker, or marketeer. Someone who doesn't have that technical background but still want to work in tech in a managerial role. And they just need to get technical enough to be able to work well with uh, software engineers and other stakeholders. So talk to me about their skills, right? If you're looking for people who want to break into product management today, what are the top skills people need? Mm -hmm. We see this all the time and we try to to gather data and uh, consolidate this into themes. Uh, the top three skills that are most needed today for people who want to break into product management are, one is some sort of technical background, and I'll explain that later. Second one is communication skills. And the third one is domain expertise. So when we talk about technical background, 
I'm not saying that every product manager has to be a software engineer. Of course, if you come from a technical background, you already have an edge there. But what I mean by having a technical background is just being technical enough, being able to command a room, earn the respect of your engineers, have a conversation at every single level from what our users need all the way down to architecture. So engineers can really respect your opinions and know that you are here to help and help them with the what and why, but never with the how. That's why you're relying on, on technical experts. The second thing is um, communication skills. I see that the same way engineers have an edge with technical background, business people have an edge with the communication skills because they naturally feel more comfortable interacting with clients and other type of stakeholders. So with this, I don't mean that you have to be a book author or a natural public speaker, but you definitely need to feel comfortable communicating and over-communicating over email, over voice, however it is, because at the end of the day, as a product manager, you are becoming a generalist. You are not really going to be the one selling, coding, or designing. You are going to be empowering your teams to do so. So you have to spend most of your time communicating your messages and also translating messages among different stakeholders. And then the third one is the domain expertise. This is especially important for new PMs because if you haven't worked as an official product manager yet, you still need to prove some value. So the company who's interested in hiring you decides that over other candidates. So what I mean by this is that I've seen a lot of, I see this as a matrix. So you start, let's say, as a software engineer in a company that does e-commerce, as an example. If you want to become a product manager, the two most obvious options are you can become a product manager within the same industry, let's say PM at another e-commerce company, or even your own or your current company, because you probably can demonstrate that you care enough about the product. The other option is to make a horizontal move, let's say a software engineer at a different industry, and then from there, try to become a PM. If you try to switch roles and industries at the same time, it's going to be extremely complicated. It's saying it's impossible, but it's definitely harder than just doing one step at a time. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's often that way with product strategies too. If you're like, take a product that say sells into financial services, it's easier to take that same product and sell to insurance, right? Than to take a brand new product and sell to insurance. Or it's easier to go from a product you're already selling to financial services to another product you're selling to financial services, not changing industry and product both. I imagine it's the same thing with roles where, you know, if your background has been as a, as a business analyst, you know, trying to get into, for a financial institution, trying to get into, you know, product management for a gaming company might be a big jump, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's very interesting. Now, so, you know, there's been a lot of pushback on whether product managers need those technical skills. What do you think when people say, hey, you know, I have product leaders that came out of, you know, I have a PhD in computational biology, uh, and I'm a product leader. I never had kind of that technical skill, but I kind of learned the process. Do you agree with that? Or do you think like you really do have to have that technical skill? Well, I believe that obviously if you're working on a highly technical product, having technical skills is even more relevant than maybe a, a product that is more focused on, on design or other aspects of the business. But I don't think that having a technical background hurts. I think that as a PM, you're going to spend a lot of time working with engineers. So my point is you need to have a, a baseline, something that's good enough so you can earn the respect of your engineers and, and communicate with them at every single level. And then anything that you can add on top of that, that's always going to be a bonus point. Interesting. So talk to me about um, existing PMs. So you work with a lot of PMs, you know, both people that are kind of new PMs that might go to product school to kind of uh, polish up their skills or you know, PMs that have already graduated from product school and been working for a while. 
when, when you're looking at existing PMs or you're talking to existing PMs, I'm sure a lot of them ask you about how to continue mentorship in their career. You know, what kind of advice do you give them for finding those mentors that they can use on an ongoing basis, you know, after product school? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, I always say, first of all, it's more about quality than quantity. I know that sometimes people get obsessed with getting to know as many product managers out there and having as many one-time coffees as possible. But the reality is, if you really want to have a strong relationship with a mentor, you have to spend enough time. And obviously, everyone is busy. So it's good to, I would say, kiss many frogs and have this one-time coffee with different people. But at the end of the day, it is better to pick one or two people what you really feel the connection. And of course, the other person has to feel the same way. And then try to develop that relationship over time. Try to have more of those coffees and meetings with the same person so they can really get to know you better and give you more deeper advice than the overall high-level advice on how to get the first PM job. I think that's good advice. And what Do you find it's easy for PMs to find mentors? I imagine there's a, there's a lot of product managers. There's probably less product leaders, right? Yeah. Uh, at least the ratio, you know, obviously is, is less. Uh, is it easy to find mentors or is it maybe easier than I think because a lot of PMs don't look for mentors? So I, I think it's, today it's very easy to access pretty much anyone, right? You can always send a cold message or a cold email on LinkedIn or any other social network. But it is really hard to build a true, honest and long-term relationship with someone because this has to be two ways. The same way as a new PM, you are probably trying to get as much value as possible on how to grow your career, you also have to think about what's in for the other person. Like there, that other person, if it's truly a, a good product leader and a, and a good person who wants to give back to the community, they're probably getting a lot of requests from people like you who are demanding their time. So it's something that works for me. I still mentor a lot of my students and alumni is I always say yes to that first coffee. But after that one, I give homework. And I really want to see progress. I really want to see that the other person cares and is, and is making progress. I hate when I have that second meeting and pretty much the person comes unprepared and it's, again, to talk about life. So I would say as a mentee, try to think about what type of value you can add to the other person. I'm not talking about it in terms of financial value, but just, just showing that you care, just, just trying to be there, being prepared, and you know trying to also see if there's something else that you can do for the other person can go a long way. And how many people do you mentor now? I block at least two hours per week to give back to the community and I, I mentor a lot of our pro school alumni and I also like to be active in the community participating as a, as a public speaker, sometimes as a guest speaker in some of our classes. Awesome, that's great. So tell me about what you see in product management these days. What big trends do you see? Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned before product leadership and I think that's right. When we started Product School six years ago, product management wasn't really that cool. I had to do a lot of explanations around the difference between product management and project management, or why you even need a product manager in a company. I think we were past that, and now we're seeing product leadership, which is basically the next natural step. It's for people who were good individual contributors, working with engineers, designers, and business, now are at a point where they are also going to empower or their product managers do the same and they become more of people managers than product managers. And then within product management specifically, I see a lot of fragmentation within the, the actual um, product team. Before, a product manager was enough to pretty much handle everything. Now that products get more complex and there's more appreciation for the discipline, we can see segments within products such as product marketing, product 
operations, product design, and I think it makes sense. It just takes more time for the industry to really understand the, the differences between each of those sub-segments and what product management does. But I think the future of product management is, is really empowering uh, these teams to run organizations. At the end of the day, you look at most of the CEOs in, in Silicon Valley and in tech companies, most of them come from a product background. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason at some point, you know, <laughs> there is this description as product managers, as CEOs, or as many CEOs. I, I think, well, I don't agree with that as, as a description of a product manager. I do think a lot of the skill sets product managers have translate well to being CEOs. And I, I think it is a, a great spot to stop on a process or career path or career trajectory that leads you to being a CEO. So I think that's, that's interesting. What about tech trends? You know, do you see like big tech trends that are important for product managers to keep abreast of? The, the main tech trend for us as product managers is, is basically what's the ratio between uh, engineers and, and PMs. There's obviously going to be more engineers than product managers at, at a company because they are the real doers at the end of the day. You as a product manager shouldn't be the one coding. So in general, I've seen that health ratios uh, seven to ten engineers per product manager. So if you look at macro trends, you see that there are many more engineering positions out there than actual supply, which is great. That means that the more engineers out there, the more need for for product managers. And in general, the more companies out there, the more need for product managers. And as I said before, product management is not just for tech. And I think that was a huge misconception at the very beginning. This is not just for tech, this is pretty much for any company out there. I mean, at some point, the more engineers, the more people you have in your company, the more sense it makes to have someone who can really organize that. And it's usually the CEO or one of the founders who acts as a product person at the beginning. But when you get to a certain level, you definitely need to hire a full-time product manager. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, at at Pendo, it was one of our first hires. We, uh, we hired early to get a, a product manager. Obviously, you know, Pendo's a product company, right? We build products for product teams, so it was important that we had strong product management. All the founders had a product management background, but still one of our, our first hires is a product manager. So I would, I would tell people to err even earlier to hire a product manager, right? I think the CEOs often take that responsibility too long, right? And uh, there's a lot of things a CEO needs to do, and product deserves that full-time person right from the beginning driving that direction or at least very early on. You know, you talked a little bit about the breakdown, you know, talking about one product manager, I think you said you often see seven to 10 engineers. What do those squads look like? Is, you know, is there a product designer there too? What do you think is like the best squad? Do you give people advice in your classes or, you know, on, on what the squad potentially looks like? Yes, we show them options because each company is different. We try mm-hmm. to agree on the high level fundamentals and what product is and how to grow different product organizations. So I've seen different approaches. One is, let's say you have multiple products, so you have a portfolio of products. Uh, One way to go about it is hiring a product manager per product. Mm -hmm. That's one way. Another option is to have an entire product team to manage the entire portfolio, meaning you may have maybe a a senior PM who is overseeing everything. And then because you cannot do all, you will probably need help with a product marketer, maybe help with a product designer, help with a project manager, who's usually that hub between engineering and product. We've seen the rise of product operations, and I know you guys are big on that. So in general, it really depends on the dynamics of your company and what you're trying to do with your portfolio, but you can either try to assign PMs per product. You can also grow the product org and try to cover the entire portfolio. Or another approach that I've seen is to split that between the customer-facing part of the product 
on the back end part of the product. So let's say um, we, to the point about how technical do you have to be to work as a product manager? Well, if you are a back end product manager, you are really working on either internal products or things that are extremely technical, connections with databases, API integrations and things like that. Yes, you need to be extremely technical. But if your responsibility is over interaction with, with customers, uh, customer feedback and other things were related to the experience, in those cases, uh, skills such as design or marketing are also very appreciated. And what do you think about, uh, uh, you know, I, I see a trend, which I think I like, where design and product often work hand in hand with the engineers on a tight team, right? You a fan of that about, you know, instead of having design kind of as a, you know, external, I don't know, external resource, so to speak, I guess that's a decent way to describe it, but having really be intricately involved in the team with the PM and engineers? Absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of partnerships. I believe we are all in this together and we can't just have... KPIs or success metrics for the engineers, success metrics for the designers, and then success metrics for the product team. We should all be measured and then uh, same overarching success metrics for everyone. And then, of course, there are specifics that everyone is responsible for. So I believe in the idea of a partnership and really making everyone part of the product. We talk about the product mindset, meaning even if you are not a product manager, you should care enough about the product, and it's the product manager's responsibility to make sure that you are involved enough and they translate the messages in a way that you care and know what's going on outside of your direct team. I like it. So I imagine things have changed a lot as product school has grown, right? From you and your friends teaching some of the original classes to now having you know, leaders from some of the big tech companies. I assume the quality of, I, know, <laughs> uh, I don't mean any disrespect to you personally, but the quality of the, the teaching has gotten great across the board, right? Absolutely, and I'm glad I'm not teaching anymore. Absolutely, I, actually one example is the chief product officer at Pendle taught a cohort in our New York campus and other leaders in the space, which I'm very proud of. I think that the key here is to really build a platform for people who didn't have a voice. I think there are a lot of platforms and events and things out there for founders and CEOs, but the product managers don't always get the credit that they deserve. And uh, there was no education around it, and it used to be this thing where it seems like you have to be a visionary and somehow end up there. And now there's a lot of structure around this role, a lot of appreciation in the market, and I'm glad to be surrounded by some of the best product leaders in the industry who, who also want to give back to the community. Because at the end of the day, this is not a school effort or an individual's effort. This has to be an industry effort. And we've also seen a lot of companies that are building technology for product managers, which I think it's, it's huge. When I started, we are literally relying on spreadsheets and uh, slides and things that are not built for product managers. Now, there's much more technology out there where PMs can really do their job better, right, in terms of analytics, operations, design. So all of this together, I believe timing is perfect for the industry and timing is, is perfect for us to continue educating the next generation of product leaders. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Now, we, we talked before, like you often see people that have a college degree, three to five years of experience in business or in engineering or somewhere, you know, then coming in and going to product school. Do you ever see product school kind of being an option for like, hey, someone graduates from high school, they want to, you know, get into product management, maybe this is their first step. Is that possible? I mean, it is possible. It's true that in order to become a manager, no matter if it's product manager, marketing manager, engineering manager, whatever it is, I believe you need some experience on the ground first. So my recommendation in general is go work on something as a specialist, try to really build something for yourself. And then at that point, I think you will be in a better position to, to lead others. But yeah, we are literally 
uh, competing head to head with the traditional MBAs. We yeah, get a yeah. lot of people who come to choose us over the traditional MBA. And unfortunately, we also meet a lot of people who choose us after they do their MBA. And I say unfortunately because they come to us saying, man, I wish I, I, I knew about product school. It would have saved me a lot of time and, and money. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I can, <laughs> MBAs are not generally cheap. I can see that, you know, the, the cost difference is probably severe, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting, though, going back to your statement, right? We look at... You know, obviously engineering, I know a lot of great engineers who never got a college degree, right? Just jumped into it right after high school. They might have taken classes. They might be self-taught. These days, they might, you know, go to coding schools instead of college, right, to jump right into the workforce. And there's obviously a huge demand for engineers, so that helps too. But you can see that as like a profession where maybe you don't need that college degree necessarily to excel there. But on the product management side, your suggestion, and I think there's some meat to that, is that it's great to go in and get experience somewhere, just like prior to an MBA, where you'd want to have experience out in the business field, whether it's working in a gaming company, working in software as an engineer, whatever it happens to be, have that experience and then think of product management as a whole as kind of like that graduate program, like like an MBA, but, but just moving into product management as a whole is kind of like a second step in your career. You do something first. Exactly. And uh, you know this, when you ask other product leaders about how did you break into product management, nobody has the same answer. Everyone has very interesting stories. And I think that what's add really value to the products that they are building today. I'm a big believer in the concept of lifelong learning. I never understood why you have to stop learning in your mid-20s and then go start working. Well, what if you can do both? What if you can work and do whatever you want, but at the same time, continue learning certain skills and things that are relevant? Because it's at that point in your life when you truly care and are going to pay more attention. I remember some of the, the classes that I was taking in business school that now I look back and I think, wow, those were really interesting. But I was just not in the right mindset to take advantage of those. Yeah, no, I can, I can completely understand that. I can think if there's some opportunities I had even in college that if I went back today, I would have gotten more out of than I did you know, as a 19-year-old or an 18-year-old or 20-year-old whatever happened to be, depending on my year. So uh, that's interesting. And it leads me to this. Do you also see like, uh, you know, product school being a place where even product leaders can go and they're like, I want to learn more about this that's new, right? Whether it's, you know, you talk about Brian teaching cohort, right? Uh, But whatever it happens to be, um, there's a lot of new things that happen, even if it's tool sets or how to do, you know, know, coming from Pendo, analytics has changed so much in the last three or four years for product managers, right? There's this whole school set, there's whole learning around, you know, how to access information that might have been hard to get before, how to utilize that information. But there's tons and tons of things that will continue to change for product management. Do you see it as an opportunity, too, for, like, the product leaders to get, like, uh, you know, their executive MBA kind Mm -hmm. of thing? A hundred percent. I treat product school as a product. It's funny because that's my background. And now, as a school, we are more of a service than a product. So I like to think of product school as a product, and we're constantly experimenting and iterating. Our classes are so short that we can get a lot of feedback very rapidly from both students and instructors, and that allows us to tweak curriculum and revamp it constantly. I don't think we can keep a single letter from the original version of the curriculum that I created five or six years ago. We, we go through constant iterations every single quarter. So it's a big change. And then on your point about the, the product management career, yes. And this is something that we're already doing. When we started, we only had one course called product management focused on aspiring product managers. Now we have three different certifications. Uh, one is still product management, one for the aspiring PMs, but we also have two for experienced product managers who come to us either because they took the first class or not, 
because they are at some point in their career where they also want to continue growing. And there's a lot of stuff that we can give them and that they need. And obviously, if I had to summarize uh, how we structure each of these courses, I'd say the first ones are more focused on hard skills because you probably need a little more of a structure and vocabulary around what product is and how to get the best out of it. But as you grow in your career, it's more about soft skills and communication skills. And sometimes just putting the right people in the same room adds a lot of value, meaning our leadership and executive uh, certifications are not for everyone. People need to apply and we spend a lot of time really accepting people that we believe are going to have a good interaction together because a lot of those learnings are not going to be based on the books or case studies that we are discussing. It's based on the actual experience that people are going to share, of course, in front of the right mentor. Now, you mentioned you know, treating product school as a product. Tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, if you think about what we do, we have multiple campuses, we have multiple certifications, and it's all about how do you streamline those processes to be able to serve all your customers in an efficient way. This is not a corner store shop where people just come and and take a class like a typical academy. This is like a full-on operation, which is global, and it's on point. And it also requires a lot of effort in terms of all the leaders that we recruit, all the curriculum updates that we make, all the different community resources that we put out there for, for people to continue learning. So it's really about productizing the service and thinking systems while keeping very high quality. And I think that one of the conscious decisions that I made at the beginning, which was to not raise money, is helping me in that direction. Because I can spend 100% of my time on talking with customers rather than pitching a PowerPoint to someone who would never use my product or service. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, you know, one of the things we we touched on a little bit but didn't really dig into is, like, you know, finding the instructors, right? Mm -hmm. Talk to me about, like, is there a challenge to get consistent and good quality, right? You know, there's obviously some leaders that would be great teachers. There's some that maybe aren't great teachers, and, and some might not put in the time that they need to be great teachers. Or some might be you know, leaders that look good on paper but really aren't deep in the craft. Mm-hmm. Huh? How do you go through that vetting process? As a CEO, I spend most of my time with recruiting for both internal positions and also instructors. So it's the first year, I actually taught all the classes myself because I didn't feel comfortable delegating yet. I really wanted to make sure that this was as good as when I'm not in the, in the room. And now, still today, I personally participate in uh, instructor interviews. And I spend a lot of time just talking with them. And of course, a lot of the incentives are put around continuity because it's great for the students and it's also great for the instructor. When, when you decide to give back to the community as an instructor and, and teach a cohort, you are investing time, not just teaching, but also preparing for, for teaching. This is not a masterclass where you come and talk about something that you want. It's you follow a curriculum. So the best thing that can happen is that instructor has such a great experience that they decide to, to teach again. And the way I always put it is, hey, I don't want this to be just another job. You already have your full-time job. I want you to think of it as a gene for your brain. The doors of fraud school are always open. So whenever the time is right for you, I want you to, to come because you enjoy, because you really want to give back and take that extra mile. Because best instructors are the ones who not only teach a class during a particular time, it's also the ones who are open to taking a call from a student because they have an interview the day after and are really there for them, and we were talking before about mentors, I always tell our students that your best mentor is probably that instructor that spent two months with you, and if you do a good job and they see that you care, they are going to continue mentoring you way after graduation. That's awesome. 
Well, let's wrap this up by talking a little bit about you. What's your favorite product? Mm-hmm. I keep going back and forth with this. I'm a big fan of products that make your life easier. So in general, you can think of productivity tools. Email, or so Gmail, or Slack, or Trello for project management. I have a love-hate relationship with them because they always start great. They're beautiful and clean and just start organizing your tasks. But then they get so, so messy that they take over your life. So today I, I love Slack. I think my, my personal stack is uh, Gmail, Slack, and Trello. I, I live in those, those three tools. Awesome. Well, one final question for you today. How about three words to describe yourself? <laughs> I think I'm an optimist. And I think I am hardworking and uh, hopefully a good person. Well, great. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you so much. This has been Product Love. Thank you for tuning into this episode. Check out the rest of our articles and interviews on productcraft.com, an online magazine by and for product people. <laughs>